you, Alice. Um, I'm really delighted to take part in this symposium. I think these these subjects and topics are so important, and uh, it's it's really great to be able to um, do some to have a comparative look at uh, different regions and countries. Um, so just to give some context for my um, ethnographic research project uh, on fairy lore and landscapes. Um, I'm a, my background is in folklore study. Uh, I was in a folklore department for a long time and moved into study of religions. So um, I'm quite interested in different you know, categorizations of spiritual beings and, um, and you know, different approaches and frameworks for the study of beliefs and traditions. And so uh, that motivated me to look at the uh, folklore material in, in a different way. And um, so I, part of my project is to interview people uh, about experiences uh, like encounters with, with fairy beings, uh, as well as broader um, traditions about the, the other world. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm interested in looking at this material as uh, an indigenous knowledge system. So that's what I'm going to focus on today. So sites upon Ireland's landscape and indeed the land itself are imbued with meanings. These meanings and understandings are interconnected in the native Irish worldview. Local histories, family lineages and cultural memories are entwined with the otherworldly and the mythic. The spirit realm, deities, pagan kings, and mythological battles are interconnected with old place names, sacred hills, and areas of the Irish landscape. While some might view the otherworldly and magical aspects of Irish culture to be some dwindling remnant of the past, my ethnographic research has shown these meanings and connection to place to be a living part of Irish tradition and a significant feature of the lived experiences of many people. Ireland's troubled history of colonization and resultant denigration of its people has been a major factor in the shaping of attitudes when it comes to Gaelic tradition of the other world and magic. Such traditional beliefs were utilized in anti-Irish sentiment and through centuries of British rule, the Irish people were disparaged, portrayed frequently as backward and savage with ignorant beliefs. This has to some extent fed into stereotypes and comic depictions of the drunken Irishman, the fighting Irish, as with the University of Notre Dame in Indiana, uh, its fighting Irish football team logo, images which are conflated with the leprechaun of Irish legends. Belief in fairies has been ridiculed for different reasons and in different contexts. Since the scientific rationalism of the Enlightenment era, such traditions have been associated with superstition or misunderstandings of the workings of nature, as well as being anti-progressive and anti-modern. Other processes of cultural and religious change have also had their impact on perceptions and understandings of other world and magical traditions. Roman Catholicism, the hegemonic religious tradition in Ireland since medieval times, though mixing into a syncretic form of popular religion that absorbed many older religious elements, still worked to disparage the paganism that preceded it. Many place names associated with deities, the spiritual world and the fairies were given alternate names that negatively associated them with hell or the demonic. One example is a cave 
called Uam Nagat, anglicised as Awi Nagat Cave, or the Cave of the Cats, which is near the pagan royal site of Rathcruachan, anglicised as Rathcruachan, in County Roscommon, which has the alternate name Hellsmouth Cave, or the Irish entrance to hell, as discussed by Patrick McCafferty in his study of caves in Ireland, uh, archaeology, myth and folklore. In the medieval manuscripts, uh, such as the metrical Dinshankus, which means place name lore, it is just described how the mighty Morrigan, an ancient goddess of battle, emerges from the cave of Cruachan, her fit abode, along with pigs and malevolent magical birds. In the native worldview, the spiritual world is coterminous with the earth and accessible through caves and the mounds or hollow hills of the landscape. The reinterpretation of so-called fairy places within a Christian cosmology that connects them to the diabolical led to the further marginalization of indigenous knowledge of place. Through various nationalist, literary and artistic movements, there has been romanticization of Irishness, particularly of the magical and mythological elements embedded into Irish Gaelic culture, which has been romanticized in its connection to the Celtic past, something that we've heard about uh, already from Juliet Wood in relation to the ro romanticization of the Welsh. So all of these processes complicate the connections between people and place. Today, Ireland is often humorously categorized from outside as a land of simple jovial folk who believe in fairies. While discourses within the country often draw on similar light-hearted constructions of these particular cultural traditions, with a thinly veiled nervousness of being associated with, with such superstitions, um, so-called superstitions. Uh, we even have a, a, a leprechaun museum uh, in Ireland. So um, these things are often discussed in a quite light-hearted uh, way. The marginalization of traditional worldviews and the demotion of spiritual connection to place uh, to superstition has a long and complex history with a multitude of factors at play. The terms folklore, mythology, and pishoga, which is the Irish word for superstitions, uh, are used to describe such cultural material in the Irish context, but rarely has it been regarded or approached by scholars as indigenous knowledge or native uh, or ancient wisdom of place. The terms indigenous and native are contentious and emotive in the Irish milieu when it comes to the island's inhabitants, cultures and identities. Conflicting claims are made about what is intrinsically Irish, what it means to be Irish, usually defined against foreign or imported traditions and identities. Due to Ireland's political and socio-cultural socio history, there is an unease around definitions of indigeneity that rest on ancestry, heritage and place. Though acknowledging and accepting the complexities of politicized identities in this regard and the problematic nature of strict definitions of Irishness, there seems no reason not to place spiritual meanings of place and the traditional relationship with the land into a framework of an indigenous knowledge system. There are cultural strands or symbolic threads in the modern day that connect people to locality and the land and that likely have their origins in the Celtic or pre-Celtic past. Christian scribes wrote the medieval accounts of the Ace She, 
an old Irish language term for a mythical race of beings, the people of the mounds, later translated as fairies. Toc Thompson notes that the translation into fairies, quote, was damagingly misleading and the progressing colonial belittlement of the ancient Irish tradition in the English Victorian era has been well documented. Indeed, the, the English um, term fairy, uh, you know, the poetic usage is associated with Edmund Spencer, uh, the, the English uh, poet best known for the fairy queen. Um, and Edmund Spencer was, was a racist uh, regarding the Irish as a disruptive and degraded people and expressed a view that the starvation of the people by way of famine was a useful tool in subduing the country. So there are many nuances to the, the words um, used to describe you know, such, such uh, beliefs and traditions. Hawk Thompson's observations have rested on the enhancement of knowledge by way of interdisciplinary communication between archeology span and folkloristics, uh, something that has also been referred to today. And uh, Thompson states that in Irish Gaelic, the word she means mounds or spirits of the mounds, referring to those same mounds which archeology span describes as central features of the Neolithic and later Irish cultures. These megalithic mounds incorporated collective burial practices and were constructed with considerations given to the landscape and frequently astronomical alignments. These features indicate calendrical ritual and religious functions, reflecting a concern with the continuance of life's cycles and with its dead." End quote. The mythical people of the early Irish literature called the Tuatha de Danann, people of the goddess Anu or Dana, are also associated in later folklore with the fairies, they're almost synonymous. Um, so the, the word she or sheep um, has distinct but related associations in that it can refer to the spiritual beings themselves as the so-called fairy host of the other world, or as, as Tomás O'Cohesig describes, to an other world hill or mound and to peace. So sheacon in modern Irish. Um, so that the word she or sheath, it's not known for sure uh, how it was pronounced in Old Irish, uh, but in modern Irish, it's she. This can mean the fairy beings themselves, um, which are conceptualized as a collective moving across the landscape, um, or with the fairy, so-called fairy places, the she being the mounds of the lands on the landscape, and also the quality of life in the other world, uh, the peaceful or harmonious um, nature of Tiernan Og, or the land of eternal youth, as it's translated, a name for the other world. Um, so the, uh, just for example, in modern Irish, we still have this uh, meaning of she, uh, our name for the police force on Garda Siakana, mean literally is guardians of the peace. So the old Irish terms for spiritual beings and abodes are not directly translatable, and the use of the English fairies and fairy realm brings with it many different cultural and linguistic associations. As mentioned in relation to semantic usages, the term she can refer to the otherworldly beings of Irish mythology and also to the mounds, which are above and below the level of the landscape that humans see, adding to their liminal associations. That's kind of in, in the landscape. It's not as simple or as you know, above and below the ground. In the native language, reference can be made to both, Whereas in English, different conceptualizations 
are involved with the terms fairy and fairy realm. The mythological tonic realm of the Shi is accessible via these mounds on the landscape, as mentioned previously. Some of these mounds are ring forts, colloquially known as fairy forts. Ring forts are the archaeological remains of circular settlements, structures consisting of one or more round walls of earth or stone, sometimes with ditches between the walls. They are found across northern Europe, some dating to the first millennium of the Christian era or later, while others date to the Iron Age or earlier, perhaps uh, some going back as far as the, the late Bronze Age. The Irish words for this type of settlement are Lys, Roth and Dune, all of which mean fort, and are, as Patricia Lysett states, traditionally considered a dwelling place of the fairy race. So this is in line with the mythological tradition of the people of the mounds. And as noted previously, the Irish word she can mean both the beings that inhabit the mounds and the, the, the mounds themselves or the entranceways into the, the other world. In fact, the inhabitants, as Carol Silver points out, were thought to take their names from the mounds or she in which they dwelt. The folklore collections of the 19th and early 20th centuries reflect a conceptualization of an other world community living side by side with their human neighbors and sometimes interacting. Fairies are presented as having intimate knowledge of the environment and of existing inside the land as a power or force. Humans might be turned around or confused in a familiar place, such as one's own field or enchanted by the fairies, colloquially known as being led astray. Fairies might thus be understood as an animistic, animistic and dynamic agent encountered in the environment. environment. Maureen Nikalik remarks on this when she says, fairies, like local people, were understood to be possessed of an intimate knowledge of the topographies of the areas surrounding their forts. This is unsurprising as according to popular traditions, fairies were often contemporaries living invisible lives parallel to those of 19th century populations, end quote. The land as access point to the fairy realm is part of the living tradition in Ireland and many of my research participants have described experiences they've had uh, while out in the landscape, particularly in connection with fairy forts and hawthorn or fairy trees. Fairy legends have common themes of otherworldly knowledge and encounters that result in healing and benefit to human beings, as well as a prevalence of motifs to do with misfortune and bad luck due to unwanted fairy encounters or fairy, fairy aggression, retrib retribution. As Andrew Snedden uh, points out in his book, Witchcraft and Magic in Ireland, throughout the, throughout the early modern period, fairy belief in Gaelic Irish culture provided a cogent explanatory mechanism for misfortune, even more so than butter stealing witches or even the evil eye. From the destruction of agricultural produce to death and illness, in humans and livestock, end quote. This is another aspect I found in my field of research, uh, in my field research, where farmers and others have spoken with me of their bad luck or fear of drawing bad luck by way of encountering otherworldly forces in their land. And um, so my, my research project began as a, uh, I was interested in migratory legends and uh, I, I went to Newfoundland um, in order to make a, an ethnographic uh, documentary with the filmmaker Susanna Zalokar, 
Um, and we traveled around and interviewed people in Newfoundland, uh, Canada, where uh, there was a big wave of uh, Irish emigration before before the you know the famine um, em emigration to the uh, United States. Um, so uh, I found that people in Newfoundland were uh, extremely eager to to speak about experiences they've had themselves uh, or you know close family members. Um, and uh, it's very open and the, the way that they speak about these things. Um, similarly, I, I did some research in Iceland on the elves uh, uh, and Hulda folk or hidden people. So there are many parallels also in the Nordic uh, uh, cultures. Um, and I also found uh, in Iceland, people were very open about speaking uh, about these things, these experiences um, and, you know, connected it with Icelandic heritage and, and culture and something to be proud of. Uh, so that's the general feeling I, I got. Uh, in Ireland, um, I, you know, many people tell me things uh, as part of my research, but also anecdotally, you know, taxi drivers and, and others will tell me uh, things that they've experienced uh, over the years. Um, I've heard many, many things, especially about bad luck or people getting sick or dying. Uh, connected to ring forts or fairy trees being damaged. Um, but when people, when it comes to interviewing people, there's much more uh, reluctance among my Irish uh, research participants about being on camera, uh, especially, um, and, you know, the information being recorded. So uh, I've found in some instances that people uh, will tell me things, um, but when we do the recorded or, you know, the official interview, they'll tell me about a farm further away or, you know, they'll disassociate it from themselves. Um, and this is something uh, I'm looking into further. You know, why why, why are these there di different attitudes uh, to, to this, uh, these kinds of beliefs? Um, and uh, I, I think, you know, uh, just to mention, in Irish history, we've had um, the, the case of Bridget Cleary uh, in 1895, who was burned as a, a, a accused changeling, um, a fairy put in place of, of a human being. So um, I think there's a process of what we might call cultural cannibalism, where instead of rejecting the, you know, these stereotypes and um, uh, this association between these beliefs and ignorance or uh, backwardness that instead of rejecting all that people internalize it and they they feel shame or uh, some kind of stigma about talking about it openly um, so uh, I mentioned at the start about the different approach in um, study of religions and folklore study so it goes beyond different approaches to you know different attitudes also among uh, academics because um, with folk religion in, in the Irish context, something like uh, the apparition, apparitions of the Virgin Mary or moving statues are, you know, usually approached quite uh, respectfully, both in general discourse and they're approached as folk religion. Um, but when it comes to fairies, this is usually called folklore uh, and um, people might laugh uh, if, if, if I'm talking about fairies. So um, I think that's quite interesting. Um, and something that I'm exploring further.